Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go, Draft Knicks. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Draft Nation podcast. My name is Joe 412. And for all of you, uh, I will be the host for the next 30 minutes on Draft Nation podcast. Before we begin, I want to thank our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all for free all the time. And for those of you who have not listened to our show before, Draft Nation, is a national e-magazine, uh, and we hyper-focus on all four major sports and their professional drafts. So for the, those draft necks out there like me and, and, and Sean, our guest, we cover all aspects of player scouting, which includes things like mock drafts, free agency, salary cap provisions that are going to impact your team, and, of course, the needs of your favorite teams in those upcoming drafts for the NFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and the, of course, the NFL. And, and uh, with me tonight, I have Sean French. Sean is a founder and CEO of the Determined Society, and he is the host of the Determined Society podcast and is an expert in mental performance and coaching. And he helps some athletes among you know us regular folk out in the world with personal development and self-motivation. And, and Sean, I want to say thank you very much for coming on uh, Draft Nation tonight and, and, and welcome to the show. Are you ready to go on the clock, my friend? Joe, my man, I'm I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, take take a couple of minutes and, and tell everybody uh, who you are and what you do. Obviously, you know here we we like to talk to everybody that 
plays a role in sports performance and athletes that are going to combines and pro days and, you know, all of these, these drills that, that may get drafted or may have a free agent signing somewhere often come to sports performance guys like you. Tell everybody a little bit about what you do and, and, uh, and why you do it. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks. So, again, Sean French, um, I live here in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, and I'm a sports performance coach uh, for athletes and high-level entrepreneurs. And I am the host of the Determined Society podcast. Uh, what I do with athletes is I really dive into the mental aspect of the performance because being an athlete myself, I played baseball at LSU from 01 to 03. And growing up, I was always just engrossed in the actual work, right? You want to hit as many balls as you can off the tee. You want to take as much front toss, you know, soft toss, whatever these drills are to work on your technical skills. And then you get into high school and you do the same thing over and over and over again. No one speaks about mental performance. Then you get to junior college. Everybody's talking about, hey, you got to outwork the dude next to you. And I was extremely skilled behind the dish. I was a catcher. So defensively, I was a dude that could receive, block, and throw. I was a one eight seven to to second base, and you know I had all the physical tools. What nobody was talking about at that level was mental performance. Then when I got to the SEC at Louisiana State University, I showed up on campus completely confident until I saw all the dudes around me, right? They were so much better than me physically because they were bigger, faster, stronger. And, of course, maybe they weren't better. That's just something that I was thinking in my mind. And that was the first time in my life that I realized I was outmatched, not because of my physical tools, but because my mental tools weren't there. I hadn't learned how to – grasp my inner confidence and, and just not really seek outside approval because as athletes and performers, we understand that we're based on our performance, right? So for me, I got caught up in that. Instead of owning who I was inside, I let my external environment dictate how I felt about me, and it torpedoed me. So now as I got older and, and you know started some businesses and been in sales, I learned, I said, wow, the one thing that I was missing was that mental aspect. So I dove into certain high-performance habits as an entrepreneur and as a podcast host and a salesperson, and I doubled down on those things. And so now I help athletes with those mental performance aspects because I know what what I – now that I know what I didn't know, I have to help these athletes because if they don't have the most important – the most important thing for these athletes, you know, when they're preparing for the draft or they're in, you know, college, Division One, Division Two, it doesn't matter, right, or JUCO, that mental aspect is going to make or break them. It doesn't matter how great they are physically. So for me, that's why I do it because I don't want other kids and other young adults to fail like I did because I didn't know. You know, that's a, that's a great segue to our conversation tonight because a, a lot of the folks that listen, you know, always want to peek behind the curtain and see what athletes are doing. And you can bench uh, and you can, you can sprint. And in a lot of cases, you can do exercises and physical things that prepare you for the game and, and for the, the rigors of a season. Um, but, you know, nowadays, like sports psychology is everywhere. It's ubiquitous. And, uh, it's necessary for pro prospects. It's necessary for collegiate prospects. And, you know, um, for our listeners, give a little background on the proliferation of sports psychology and why it's gone from a luxury to a necessity. I'll, and I'll give one sort of like anecdotal personal thing. When, you know, as a c collegiate hockey player, the um, 
you know, we took, you know, and I think we might have been on the front edge of this, the Tai Chi classes. You know what I mean? Mm. We, did, we did all the rest of the stuff then, but there was always a mental balance part of it where it was, you know, there were mantras and there was, there was time for you to kind of, you know, settle yourself and, and get yourself ready for a game. And some guys took it seriously and some guys didn't. But, you know, with this, this new wave of sports psychology, which has transitioned from that luxury to a necessity, you know, explain how that's happened and where that proliferation came from. You've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but from an industry yeah. perspective, what are your thoughts and why do you think it's so prevalent these days? Dude, that's a tough one, but it's a very simple answer, right? So these athletes now in college, they become somewhat semi-celebrities or let's just full-on celebrities. Everybody knows who Jaden Daniels is. Everybody knows who Joe Burrow is, right? They, you know, everybody knows who Paul Skeens and Dilla Cruz is, right? So the, the bottom line is there's more access to these athletes, and they have more pressure on them than we did in the past. See, when I grew up and played baseball, and I, I, I got to LSU in 2001, and I sought out our sports psychology um, program because I went through an injury that took me two years to rehabilitate from, and I never came back the same. So I needed somebody, right? But then a lot of times when you're dealing with these sports psychologists, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I'm going to call spade a spade. I just talked to a Navy SEAL before we hopped on this call. And the biggest thing with sports psychologists, a lot of times they've never done what they're talking to people about getting through, right? They've never thrown the baseball. They've never shot a sniper rifle. They've never done these certain things, right? So it's very hard to connect. So for me, seeing that as something, something as just – you know, not a necessity back in the day, but it was something that they provided. Now, like as you're saying, it is a necessity because there's so much more access to these athletes. Think about this, right? Think about commit day. Think about signing day. It's all over social media. These young athletes have so much pressure and more eyeballs on them more than ever now because of social media. So with that comes the, the whole comparison syndrome, right? And it takes the joy out of everything. So these sports psychologies and mental performance coaches like myself, we're here now because these athletes definitely need it because they are under insurmountable stress because of their environment. You know, that's a great answer, man. And I'll, I'll even hearken, I'll take it back a couple of steps. I mean, you mentioned social media. Uh, that didn't exist when I was playing in, in, you know, it just, you know, 2007, 2008. I mean, that it was just beginning. And also, you know, Draft Nation as a company took a lot of inspiration away from what Shannon Terry was able to do at Rivals.com and 247 Sports. Mm -hmm. uh, and those guys are, they're interviewing these kids when they're in ninth and 10th grade, you know, and so they've got coaches that are a shield. They have parents that are a shield, in some cases just a parent uh, as a shield, and they're gifted in a way that makes them special, but they're still 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, you know, and they're asked to do things not only in social media and then being able to take interviews and receive criticism from reporters who are rating them with four, five stars and four stars and setting that expectation, but I also think on the back end with this age of name, image, and likeness, now there are people out there in high school that are getting paid before they even get to college. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. It's yeah, like now dude. you've got these kids that it's not no longer, oh, I want my Xbox or my PS5. Now you're like, you're handing kids six and seven figure checks that are mm -hmm. just stepping onto a basketball court or a football field. Um, and they're still in high school, you know, and it's just, it's, a, it's an outrageous 
I don't, I don't know what to say about this. How do you, like if I were a parent and I was bringing you my child, how do you prepare them for that kind of that kind of pressure? I don't know if I could have well, done it when I was in college, let alone you know eleventh and twelfth grade. Yeah. Before I answer that question, I want to take it back to one thing you said. Something like some of these kids are you know in eighth, ninth grade. And there's a local kid. I'm not going to mention his name because he's going to be a very he's going to be a very good quarterback. But I mean, this Joker's got I don't know like over 100,000 followers on Instagram already. He's been highly touted since he was like eight, man. And he's in the room with Dave O'Sweeney, Saban, all these dudes. He's taking pictures with them. And then, like, you know, he gets out there. He's in eighth grade, and he plays for a prep school here. And he starts on varsity his eighth grade year this past year. And I know it wasn't the year that he wanted, but, I mean, it was completely blown up. News cameras out there, everything like that. So, like, think about that pressure. Right? It just to me, it's a kid, man. It's eighth grade. Let's let him play. Okay? Um, so that, that that's what I have for that. You know, so if a parent comes to me and they're talking about their, their kid is going to be the next, you know, George, Joe Burrow, you know, I'm like, hey, like let's let the kid be a kid, right? Let's let's let him work hard. Let's let him get through some things. Gosh almighty, let's have some damn perspective, right? So but taking the question further, how would I prepare them? For this, like, hey, the answer is very simple. Not everybody's going to get that attention, right? So we have to know what athlete we're dealing with. We don't want to throw those alarms off or throw out those false hopes and let these parents get a little puffed up chest that their kid's going to be, you know, the media is going to be all over them. Now, if there's already that scenario happening, we got to do our, we got to do the best job of getting them to silence the noise around them. And I heard an analogy one day, and I can't remember who it was from, um, but it was about. You know, uh, no, I, I do know. I had a, a guest speaker on my athlete community, Corey Wade. He, he pitched uh, for the Yankees, and he played in the ALCS. Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez. You know, some some big names. And um, you know, they talk about uh, performance, and they they were talking about these skiers. They said, "Hey, like, how do you?" And I'm going somewhere with this. How do you not hit the trees when you're, you know, going down these big slopes? Like, well, that's very simple. I mean, if we look at the trees and focus on the trees, we're going to die. We're going to be or be crippled. But if we just look at the snow in front of us and we just focus on that, then we don't hear the noise. We don't see the possible obstacles. So what I would tell these parents is like, hey, let's really create a process that we can go by on an everyday basis that this that your son or your daughter can execute and not worry about all the other stuff. And at the end of the day, at the end of the year, into the four years, we'll see kind of where we end up, right? But if you start looking at the trees and start looking at the distractions, that's where you're going to end up. You know, those, those are great points. And, and that's the kind of thing you almost stole my next question. I was going to ask you, you know, what are some of the challenges you've helped these guys overcome? But you've kind of already addressed it. It's almost like it's a matter of focus, you know, and I think that it's, you know, uh, and that's tough to ask kids, especially you know, raging hormonals, 15-year-old, 16-year-old mm-hmm. males uh, that have plenty of distractions. Uh, and it's yeah. like having them focus on this for their own mental health. And, you know, and I think that that's why sports psychology and coaching, that, that individual co- coach, you know, uh, to, to player kind of a- analysis is really necessary in this day and age. I think it's just a, a, a part of it. And teams have got to have it. And I think individual athletes that are of a certain caliber are going to need to have that too and i know that comes as a as a, as a cost to, to parents and or schools but you know it's almost a necessity at this point but what are some of the surprises yeah. that you've seen in athletes where maybe they're gone you know from night to day or 
or, you know, where a switch turns on, like when, when do you know that what you're doing is really helping an athlete? Do you have metrics that you set where you're like, here's a set of goals and let's reach them. And then we'll put another set of goals in front of you and reach them. Or how, how do you gauge your level of success? Is it just based on the athlete's performance on the field or is it, a bunch of things that are environmental in the sense like he's doing better at school. He's doing better at, uh, you know, at, at home and, and all those kind of things. Man, I think I gauge my success by the, I would say by the response from the athlete and the parents, right? So I want to know how they're feeling about my service and how I'm, you know, mentoring their, their, their young adult child. Right. And I want the parents involved. And here's the thing. When, when someone comes up and speaks and says, Hey, you've really helped me with my schedule and in organizing, you know, my time and my strategies, that makes me feel good because listen, being a collegiate athlete at any level, I mean, no matter if you're D one or NIA, it doesn't matter, right? Your time is not your time. You have very, very few pockets of time where you can actually choose what you want to do that day. Right. So you have to be a well-oiled machine and you have to have perspective. So for me, when I get a kid, here's a good example. All right. Now, I'm working with um, – I don't want to say his name, right, because I didn't ask his permission, but it's on my Instagram, and there's a testimonial there. He's an SEC baseball player, okay? And he's – talent-wise, he, he could probably go the first five rounds this year, okay? And what he's battling is he's been through a couple different injuries. So it's kept him out a year, come back, done well, got hurt. Then he goes to summer, starts tearing it up, then gets hurt, and he keeps, you know, getting healthy, then getting put on the shelf. Right. And, I, and I'm asking him, like, why do you think that is? You know, why do you think you're getting hurt so much? Because you're in great shape. Like, I don't know. I was like, I kind of do. I think you work too much. See, there's a, there's a level. And this is something that I think that your listeners are, are and these parents, I want these parents to listen. And I want them to get this down to their children. And they, the children need to buy into it. All right. Hustle culture doesn't work. All right. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. You know, big myth buster. What these what these athletes need to do is they need to understand the amount of work that they need to do within reason on their skills to be a great athlete, to be a great baseball player, football player, whatever it is. And then that's it. And the rest of the mental, their mental part's going to take over. But what happens is these kids start falling in love with the work and they forget to love the competition. So they're working, they're working, they're working, their body breaks down. They don't have enough calories in their body. So they end up getting hurt because their body's not recovering. So you can work yourself to a blood pulp, but you're not going to get any better. This athlete came up to me on one of our last calls and said, you're right. This is what I'm doing. I said, go home for Thanksgiving. Go hunting. Don't pick up a bat. Don't lift the weight. And he did it, and he feels better. He, his mind feels great. That to me is success. When I can free somebody's mind up, because I'm going to tell you when he goes back to school after Christmas break, he's going to be a monster. You know, that's, that's a funny, I, I have straight, it might be an asymmetrical comparison, but there was a, there was a movie that was based on a short or a, a true story. Uh, it came out about 20 years ago called in search of Bobby Fisher. And it was about, yeah. you know, chess, chess prodigies. Uh, and I forget the kid's name that the movie was based on in the movie, but the idea was, Bobby Fisher pushed himself too far and just became an eccentric recluse and kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. And this kid was falling into the same trap and his father let him be a kid for a while. And it mm -hmm. took the pressure off of him. It was almost like, Hey, you got to walk away from a chessboard. Uh, and the same thing holds true, whether it's a diamond or a sheet of ice or a field. Uh, and I think that that's, 
you know, that's, that's really well said. And, and since you mentioned Jaden Daniels a couple of minutes ago, I'm going to pivot <laughs> a little bit here because this is a cool. draft show. And let's talk about some LSU topics for a few minutes here before we get to our lightning round. I, I want to start out in baseball because I know that's your, your, your background here. And this mm-hmm. year, I mean, LSU was dominant. And they had the first two guys off the board for Major League Baseball's draft in, in Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. And mm-hmm. as a guy based in Pittsburgh, as my, my you know, surname dictates, 412, um, <laughs> the Pirates had their choice with the number one draft pick overall. Uh, and for a variety of reasons, they went in the direction of, of Paul Skeens. And, and it was hard to make an argument for and against one of these. Like, I, I personally would have loved to have seen them take Dylan Cruz because I believe mm-hmm. – that you want to take the guy that plays in 150 games for you every year as opposed to a guy that play, plays 30 or 35. But it's hard to argue against a generational pitcher like like Skeens, who if he develops into a Strasburger, the, 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 the way that the Pirates fell in their last couple of playoff appearances were to those generations. They, they fell to Arietta, They fell to Baumgartner. And so yeah. you know they have a chance to bring in a guy like that. In your opinion, not only because of your baseball background, but because of the attention that you pay to LSU – did the Pirates make the right decision going with a pitcher with schemes over, you know, the a potential? I mean, the, the way I've heard uh, Dylan Cruz described is he's on the on the bottom end. He's Andrew McCutcheon on the top end. He's Bryce Harper. Like if you say mm-hmm. that, you're not going to go wrong. I mean, if you were the Pirates, which would you have chosen and why? Dude, it's it's one A one B, dude. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I know it's a tough kid, one, right? It's just so tough. I have goosebumps because they're so amazing. Both those guys. It's like I don't want to disrespect one by saying I would choose another. Um, so here's the thing, man. I spoke to Skip Bertman, legendary Skip Bertman, um, you know, the LSU baseball coach, legend, right after the College World Series after they won it. And I said to him, I was like, so Skip, let me ask you a question, man. He's like, what's up? I go, Dylan Cruz. He goes, best hitter I've ever coached. His awareness of the strike zone was to a T. When people make fun of people and these high school kids, oh, it's two inches off the plate. Well, if you can see two inches off the plate, like, you should be in the big leagues. Like, Dylan Cruz can see two inches off the plate. Like, he's just so comfortable in any count. He's incredible. Paul Skeens did some stuff with his mechanics to where he got his chest out over his knee a little bit more, and he starts throwing 100 nasty break-ins, nasty, nasty off-speed, locates everything. Like, he literally had his A game five outings last year. That's what he said, five. And he was the number one pick. Um, I'm going to tell you this. Um, I'm, I would have went Cruz, man. It, here's why. The whole year I had it made up that he was the number one pick overall. <laughs> and then once the World Series came, I think Paul Skeens got more on the national stage. Like more people got to enjoy him and see his dominance. Um, and then the Pirates ultimately went with him. But, um, you know, I, I probably would have taken Cruz because he's the best hitter I've ever seen at a college level. And like, and I don't think, I don't think we're going to see the low end with Dylan Cruz. I think we're going to see the high end, which is Bryce Harper. And now the, the yeah. Nationals have. Yeah, his strike. The manager of the strike zone is Barry Bonds, like, and and I know that yeah. you know that he's a he he people love him or hate him in the city here, uh, but you know, and nationally, I think people love or hate him because it was the steroid era stuff. But you, steroids don't help you see a strike zone. And and here's yeah. a guy that was hitting all those homers and still only had, you know, you know, 30 strikeouts in a year because it was Tony Gwynn-like, you know. And it's hard to say that with these guys in college. But, you know, SEC ball is SEC ball. 
you know, it's really hard to compare that to anywhere else. And so he was playing against the best of the best. And, you know, I, look, I, I don't think they could have made a mistake. I just, I'm like you, I would have gone Cruz just based <laughs> on, the, I think, the amount of playing time he's got. But, you know, let me switch pick. the football real quick. pick. Yeah, that's right. It's like you know. you, you're not gonna. No one's gonna hold it against you if you if you chose schemes. And I think your schemes might be a better. I mean, that's not the, the Scott Boris relationship with the Pirates is is tainted, and you know, and I think mm-hmm. Cruz that would have been a difficult one for them to handle long term. But you know, ultimately, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, schemes. The day he was chosen was the best player in the Pirates in any from from single A Bradenton all the way up to the to to the majors. He he, he pitched one game. In Altoona, I think he threw his first 11 pitches. The slowest was 99. Uh, Dude, I'm telling you, they did not make a mistake. They did not yeah. make a mistake. They chose – I mean, listen, I mean, he's a shutdown guy. You know, I mean, he's going to be tough to hit. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Did you know? I don't know if you knew this. Like, you know, you, you do know that Paul Skeens was at Air Force, right? Um, did yeah. Did you know yeah, yeah, he transferred over. Cruises? Did you know who Dylan Cruz hit his first LSU home run off of? Paul Skeens, I guess. Paul Skeens. <laughs> and they just won a natty together. They went one and two. <laughs> wow. Dude, I mean, Baseball is beautiful. Crazy, man. It was, that was it's one talent. I mean, that's like a dynastic kind of a, a setup there if you, if you guys could have kept them together. But um, let me Ooh. switch gears on you a little bit and talk about Jaden Daniels. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that, you know, this year – you know, LSU's had a pretty good year, but not the year that the t- Tiger fans wanted to see. I think they thought that they, you know, they may have been more competitive in terms of a, a national championship run yeah. with Daniels coming back. Uh, of the guys, I mean, I know you've got Smith as that nose guard defensive tackle, and, and there's a couple of other, um, you know, uh, you know, guys that are going to end this draft that will be first round, second round, third round guys. But yeah, the eyes are always on the quarterback. And in mm-hmm. Daniels' case, he's really been a riser on not only our draft nation boards and mock drafts, but in everybody's draft. I, I think people underestimated him a bit uh, last year. Um, but, you know, this year he's really proven he might have NFL material. Watching mm-hmm. him and knowing what you know, what are, what are your thoughts on him specifically? And do you think he's, uh, you know, someone that could come in and lead an NFL team, or is he going to be – Sort of uh, career backup, give you you know spot reserve kind of stuff. I, I, I gosh, Jaden Daniels, man. Um, you know it's funny. I remember last year, right when they were playing Florida, um, I was on the phone with my best friend Quinn Stewart, who I played with at LSU, and we were watching the game, talking to each other, and like I said, you see that? And he's like, dude, the world just found out Jaden Daniels is a problem, and he got better and better and better, and then this year. It has been something so special to watch the guy. You And to your point, LSU is not having the year that we wanted or we thought they were going to have. And quite honestly, it's not the offensive fault, right? We had some injuries on defense. Uh, our, one of our, one of our um, secondary uh, players, you know, has brain cancer. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened, right? So everybody wants to yell at Matt House. I don't know if it's his fault, but um, if it is, I hope they address it. Um, but, I mean, you know, player personnel seems a little light right, in the, in the defense, like, they just, it's not DBU right now like it used to be. But specifically to Daniels, um, I, I, don't, I don't see him going to the NFL and just being a career backup. His presence of mind on the football field, the way he makes his cuts, it's almost like he sees things before it even happens. 
it's incredible. And and watching him progress from last year to this year, dude, it was like Burrow going from the first year to the second year. And if you look at the numbers, they're identical. Like in and, and Jaden Daniels is actually like ahead a little bit. The only difference is LSU had a little better of a defense, and they did have you know some bigger you know, pieces defensively. And there's a lot of first one draft, first round draft picks on the team. Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Patrick Queen, all those dudes, right? Yeah. But. <laughs> and you had a pretty good set of wide receivers, if I recall. Oh, dude, don't even. <laughs> not to name names. Not to name. Hey, you know, you had Chase and you had Justin Jefferson. But, dude, look at Malik Neighbors and, and, and Michael, Michael Thomas Jr. I'm telling you, Malik Neighbors, Neighbors is, he is, if, if Marvin Harrison Jr. was not in this draft, Neighbors would be the the. I mean, I it's hard. I mean, I like Roma Dunze from Washington. There's a lot of comparisons you can make of that. But, but mm-hmm. Neighbors is oh, he's scary to watch. He is scary he's, good. He's him, dude. He's he's incredible. But I mean, if you if LSU had a better defense this year, people would have been LSU fans would have looked up a little bit sooner and saw the special year that. Jaden Daniels was having, you know, they lost early to Florida State again, and then you had us losing to Ole Miss, and it just like the LSU fan base is like, what the heck? Seriously, you better you better not lose to Bama. Well, it's already years toast, and now we're at three losses. You know, we've won out, but you know now we got we're going to probably play Notre Dame in the Rely Quest Bowl here in Tampa. You know, I mean that's not what LSU fans want. LSU fans want, you know. SEC championship. We got there last. Oh yeah, they won championships. That's that's the expectation, right? Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, man. Yeah, but so I, I just think that Jaden Daniels is is. I mean, I, he's a high pick in my opinion. I mean, he's a he's a high pick. Yeah, he might get sneak right into that first. I mean, if it, again, this is one of those situations. I mentioned Marvin Harrison in the wide receiver class, and you know, neighbors not being one because of 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 Harrison. Daniels is a guy that doesn't get a lot of traction in first round conversations because of this class of, of quarterbacks. I've got mm-hmm. Caleb Williams, Drake may that may go one and two, you know, and then you start throwing names out there, um, you know, like the JJ McCarthy's of the world. And does he land in the first round? And you, and you, and outside of the Travis injury, his name was bandied about in, in the first round. And you had got, you mean, you have guys around this, this NCAA season, that has been ridiculous. And, and Daniels, because he hasn't made – he's not going to go to Atlanta and play mm-hmm. Georgia or Alabama uh, and compete there. People have forgotten to, to watch those games, and I'm telling you, the guy has been a monster performer. And I hate to do this to you, uh, and I just looked up at the clock, and, and we've got two minutes left. And I <laughs> blew off our, our, our lightning round, and I warned you earlier, sometimes these conversations can go deep. And they take a mind of their own. So I'm sorry I didn't get you into that lightning round. I'll, I'll have you back on, and we'll have some more fun with that. But before you go, oh, yeah. tell everybody where they can reach you and, and how they can find you on your social medias and your, and your website and such. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is theshawnfrench.com. It's S-H-A-W-N, French, like the language, .com. Instagram handle at theshawnfrench. Um, and my email is sean.french at thedeterminedsociety.com. I answer everything unless you're trying to sell me crypto or, you know, engagement packages on social media. <laughs> I'm a very approachable guy. I, I want people to find me. I want to interact with people. You know, that's why I'm doing this because, you know, I just think the world needs more of that. So that's where you can find me. I'm, you know, I ain't hiding. I'm there. 
<laughs> well, cool, man. Well, look, brother, thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. I had a great time talking LSU baseball and football with you, and of course, learning a little bit more about your sports performance stuff. Uh, and again, thanks to our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and pod- podcasts all for free. Uh, remember, while Draft Nation may be off the air, we are always on the clock for you. Again, Sean, thanks very much for coming on the show. 